Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. If you are visiting with us and you have questions about this congregation or about Unitarian Universalism, please don't hesitate to ask me or the people at the visitor table right through those doors, and they'll be happy to answer the questions that you have if they are able. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here. Please say with me the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. We light the fire of truth and ask to be clear, wise, and humble enough to admit when we don't know. We kindle the warmth of community and ask for open-heartedness and patience. We are grateful to the spirit of life and ask to learn the secret to loving and being loved. This congregation has a mission that it wrote and it revisits it every seven years to see if it still says what we want it to say. And then we write it on our wall and we say it together every Sunday to remind ourselves what we're doing here. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. We have a moment for beloved community after we say our mission. And today, I'm drawing from Reverend Jackie Lewis, who came to do some training with us. Her revolutionary love anti-racism training is wonderful. And she says that many people who identify as white don't realize that we all come from a culture as well. And nobody should say, oh, I don't know, my people are just normal. Because that is dominant culture. We're trying to see that when we can. And so I would like for us to take just a few minutes, too, to turn to someone around you. And if you're an introvert, I know this is hell. (laughs) So if you don't want to talk to anybody you don't know, just put your head down and no harm, no foul. Everybody will love you anyway. But if you feel like you can, turn to a person around you and say, here is the kind of bread I come from. Did I come from Wonder Bread or Pumpernickel, Jewish Rye, Chapatis? Uh, what did I come from? And um, just tell the person next to you what kind of bread you ate when you were little. Gola Estes. Ours is not the tax, task of fixing the entire world all at once, but of stretching out to mend the parts of the world that is within our reach. One of the most calming and powerful actions you can do to intervene in a stormy world is to stand up and show your soul. Soul on deck shines like gold in dark times. The light of the soul throws sparks, sends up flares, builds signal fires. This is the time in our service when we join together in an attitude of prayer and meditation where we pray or listen to God as we understand God 
or where we listen to our inner wisdom or just watch our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Let us enter into what Ralph Waldo Emerson called the wise silence, understanding that in this congregation, tiny noises from babies and the noises of regular life count as part of the silence.
Some of you um, know that I've come around again uh, from when I was a hippie teenager to baking bread again. And, um, um, but one of my spiritual practices is on Fridays or Saturdays, I often bake uh, challah bread. And I love smelling that yeast when it just starts to come alive and I love smelling the bread. I love kneading the bread. Um, I'm going to talk about yeast and bread in a different sermon, but today I'm talking about the oven. I'm talking about the cauldron. I'm talking about being in the heat. And we even say that in our, in our culture. We say, I'm really feeling the heat right now. You know, if you're, if you're watching football, they go, they're really feeling the heat right now. And if you're watching golf, they go... He's really feeling the heat right now. <laughs> and we all know that like uh, in cooking and baking, the heat can transform us. And sometimes it transforms us. Being in the heat in our lives um, transforms us for the better and sometimes for the worse. And sometimes just we're different. We can't really tell whether it's better or worse. But in baking and cooking, you're almost just magically conjuring transformation. And being a preacher, I thought, oh, that's like life. Because that's how we think. The ancient Celts talked about the mean and tricky goddess Caridwen. I, I don't want to call you mean, Caridwen. Um, just like you have to just respect her because she's kind of uh, stern. And she has a big cauldron. And when you get sick or when you're dying or when you're in trouble, um, you're said to be in Caridwin's cauldron. And she stirs her cauldron over the fire. And you're in there getting changed. And a lot of the time in our lives, things are just going well. You know, our bodies are working fine. Our families are pretty happy. We have a job. There's a little money in the savings account. Our car is full of gas. We feel okay. Um, and then suddenly life throws you some heat. And you're in the cauldron again. So how do you hold up? What do you do? Well, when you read about stress, you read that there is such a thing as good stress. And people know sometimes that they want to rise to a challenge. And uh, so they'll do things like sign up for a marathon and then run that marathon. Or they'll sign up for a 5K if they're not yet up to the marathon running. Or they'll do another big project like start a business or clean out the basement. Or they'll give themselves some stress and see if they can rise. Or they'll start dating somebody with the eye toward changing them. Those rueful laughs are from people who've tried that. <laughs> so sometimes we rise to the challenge and conquer, and sometimes we sort of rise to the challenge and we learn a lot, or sometimes we just fail and, and we learn a lot. Failing is uh, another thing that can throw you into the cauldron, questioning everything. What was I thinking? I thought that thing I thought was true was true, but it's not true. You're just on the boil. 
Um, my dad used to work at this place called the Institute for the Achievement of Human Potential in Philadelphia, commonly and casually known as the Better Baby Institute. And um, he used to teach the parents of babies how to teach the babies math. <sighs> so I got taught how to do trigonometry uh, with a telephone pole and the sunlight and some kind of slant and a guy standing next. I never, you know, eh. Till finally, when I, when he started doing it to my son, my younger son, he was like, "Let's let me teach you trigonometry." And my son was looking at me like, "I'm, I'm a poet, I, you know." And I was writing while he was doing that, and um, my dad said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just writing about this." He said, "But don't you want to learn this?" And I said, "No, I really don't," which was totally taboo in my family. So I felt bad to the bone. So easy to feel bad to the bone in my family. But anyway, what he learned at the Better Baby Institute was that a lot of people, they want to protect their sweet, soft babies from anything rough. And so when babies, they crawl over, you know, soft carpet and they crawl over smooth floor and they crawl. But really, um, they develop even better if you let them crawl, get scuffed up a little bit. If you get them, like, crawl over burlap for a while. They, they, yes, that's good for the baby's uh, development, apparently. My mother believed in challenging children, too. Uh, she liked to challenge our immune systems. Uh, she wouldn't let there be Lysol in the house because she thought that if you killed the germs, your babies would never learn how to deal with germs. And um, so if something fell on the floor that we were supposed to eat, she would just brush it off and say, Immunities! And... Uh, and she thought that American obsession with cleanliness was really over the top. Um, she had grown up playing in a little village in India where she and the other kids would, you know, you take uh, cow patties and you slap them against a wall and let them dry and then you peel them off and they make pretty good frisbees. And her parents, you know, were horrified, but she was like, I turned out fine. My immune system is strong. And... Um, so she didn't want the house to be too clean. And sometimes I think that was kind of a self-justifying. Uh, she... <laughs> when the spiders would start to make nests and have babies in between the storm windows and the windows, my father would say, Catherine, that needs to be cleaned out. And she would say, it's science, Donald. <laughs> In England and in Europe, the, the newest uh, strain of thought about playgrounds is that they shouldn't be overly safe. That your children should be uh, able to get scuffed up a little bit on the playground. And that if you hover and catch your child whenever they go, oh, I have to let go of this monkey bars, um, you know, if it's not too far from the ground, if they're not like, two or something, in which case, what are they doing on the monkey bars? Um, then you just say, you can make it, just let go and drop. And the children learn then how to navigate risk. Whereas if everything is so safe, they don't learn that as well. There's a wonderful TED Talk called 100 Artists. It's my favorite TED Talk. 
And this man um, does a show with a hundred different artists, although they're all him. And he says um, that there's a collective in North Dakota that, that does art. He's just making this up completely. And he shows their art installation, which is on a barbed wire fence in North Dakota. And they've, he has tied a pink ribbon with the word dangerous on it on every barb along the fence. Just in case people don't know, that barb is dangerous, but maybe that one's not. Ow. So some stress is good, and sometimes we need to learn to navigate risk, and sometimes we need to just um, get hurt a little bit and then get picked up by someone who loves us, and what's hurt gets fixed, but when you learn to be afraid, that never gets fixed very easily. So intermittent challenges are called good stress. But sometimes the challenges, the stress, it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Because you're living in a household where there's somebody whose behavior just makes your life a misery and they can't change or won't change. Or you're in a work situation where your boss or coworkers are behaving in a way that makes your life a misery and they can't change or won't change. And that's, that's called chronic stress. Now, how do you get yourself uh, from chronic stress to intermittent stress? How do you take yourself out of the heat a little bit? That's the question. Sometimes you can change the situation, and sometimes it costs you a lot to change the situation, but you have to anyway. But if you stay in chronic stress for any length of time, you're going to be like a loaf of bread that's been left in the oven for 10 hours. And we even have that language. We go, oh, I'm burned out. I'm crispy. We know. We've been left in the heat for too long. So when the pressures on us, our centeredness becomes crucial. Think um, Think of working with clay which takes heat, but it also takes pressure. Because the potter will take a big lump of clay and you have to slam it against the table many times to get the air bubbles out. And then you, you start the wheel spinning and you whomp the clay down on the center of the wheel. And that takes skill and practice. Because if it's not on the center, the wheel starts spinning, you start putting pressure on to make a jar or whatever, and it starts going like this. And you have to scrape it off and wham it again to uh, get the air bubbles out and start all over again. And once you get it in the center, then when the spinning starts and the pressure starts, you can really make something nice out of it. Then you apply heat, and then you've got a vessel you can use. So our spiritual practices that we've been talking about now for three or four weeks, those are what keep us centered. Those are what increase our odds of getting transformed in some kind of a good or helpful or at least neutral way by, by having the heat turned up. And um, Chris and Lee, Reverend Chris and Lee, talked about their spiritual practices at the end of December. And then we had the spiritual practice last Sunday of the burning the old year in the burning bowl. And Kelly has a lot of articles about spiritual practices on the religious education table because our religious education department We're teaching spiritual practices this spring um, on the first Sundays of the month. 
And the spiritual practices are what help you um, stay in the heat, stay in the discomfort, sit with the misery, um, withstand the pressure, and come out the better for us, for it. So what does turn up the heat other than stress? Well, anger is heat. Anger can be a very hot situation. And if you are centered, then you can use anger for the good. You know, anger is a way of knowing that your boundaries have been violated. You're mad and something has to change. Boundaries need to be tightened. Uh, Expectations need to be voiced. Uh, The person needs to step back. Um, There are lots of ways of your boundaries getting violated and anger is a good signal that you need to change something if you can. And if you are already balanced, then you can use the anger like a hearth fire instead of letting it burn down your house. Desire is also something that turns up the heat. You want that person or you want that job or you want that goal so badly it just can it can really make you make big changes in your life in order to get toward that. And sometimes that's good, again, in balance. And sometimes it can burn your house down. The need to live authentically can also turn up the heat on a person. If you're a gay person who's been in the closet acting like a straight person, the heat goes up and up and up until finally you go, I have to come out in order to live authentically. If you're a person who needs to transition in their gender choice or presentation, or if you just need to let everybody know, I am not choosing, don't even ask me to, I'm non-binary, deal. And um, that happens even though it's a lot of trouble for the person and minor little discomfort for the people around them. Um, It's because the heat has built up so much that the transformation has to happen. Living authentically. And sometimes uh, living authentically means you need to change a relationship or change a career or suddenly go, go for something that you have been wanting to do or suddenly let go of something that you thought you wanted to do, but it's not on the bucket list anymore. It's on that other list that rhymes with bucket. <laughs> let it go. So when we feel the heat, we're in the cauldron and the chance for transformation has arrived. Now, if you don't want transformation, you can just avoid, avoid, avoid or stay miserable. But if you want transformation, you can say, hello, Caridwin, respectfully, hello. And this sure is a hot situation. I'm feeling very uncomfortable. And one thing to know when you're in the heat, and this was not taught in my family or in the culture of my Scots-Irish people, just because you're in the heat, just because you're in trouble does not mean you've done something wrong. We were always taught, well, what'd you do to make that happen? That's crazy. Sometimes you just get thrown in the cauldron, even though you didn't do anything wrong, even though you did... Everything right. Even though God is not disappointed in you somehow 
far up in the heavens, wanting to teach you a lesson in a crueler way than any parent would ever teach their child a lesson. And yet, somewhere deep inside, some of us still believe in that God that would punish you by, like, giving you cancer just because you did something wrong. Don't get me started. So, when you're in the heat, it's a good way to be in the heat if you can take yourself out of it little by little. Um, and then go back in it. Like, just learn to, to somehow relax in the heat and sit with it. Or learn to somehow relax by saying, this is not my fault. I am, I am going to sit in here and see what I can fix and ask for help with what I can't fix. And sometimes things can't be fixed. And just know that, that this is your situation. Sometimes a very wise person can come sit in the heat with you. Like when you're doing a sweat lodge, sometimes it's so hot you think you're going to die. And you might be with a wise person in there, good idea, to be in a sweat lodge with a wise person, not with a 30-year-old white guy who took a class in San Francisco and now calls himself a shaman. Because in that... In that sweat lodge, you could die. (laughs) And so you want to be with a person who is wise about the heat. I really want a smooth life for you. I want nothing to go wrong ever for you. I want you to be happy all the time. I want you to have no troubles. And apparently that's not the best thing to want for you. So I'm learning. May we be in the heat, and may we be in the heat together. May we be in the heat as a community as we fight for Hilda and Yvonne and for Alirio. May we be as a community as we go into this very uh, stressful year where it's looking like it might get very nasty. Um... Not a big contrast from last year, but might get very nasty. And so we need our community, and we're going through this together. And we will support one another in the heat and not fix it for one another, but just sit with one another. And may we be transformed in a way that makes us deeper and that brings us more compassion in our hearts and that brings us more wisdom and understanding in our spirit and that brings us into being a more loving person. May it be so. And now will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Sing with me if you care to. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace.
This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.